This episode is sponsored by Stitch Fix and by ExpressVPN. Facebook has famously done a pretty bad job on U.S. Facebook fighting against political disinformation and bots that originate here or in places like Russia, China, or Iran, or wherever. But unsurprisingly, it sounds like they've done a much worse job with other, often smaller countries. That's according to a memo written by a recently fired Facebook employee who worked at the company for three years as the data scientist for the Facebook Site Integrity Fake Engagement Team, which deals specifically with stuff like bots and spam. BuzzFeed News got its hand on the memo, which was posted on Facebook's internal message board before the employee left, with that employee claiming to have turned down a $64,000 severance package that would have required her to sign a non-disparagement agreement. It's a very long article, but let's just go ahead and go through some of the key points. Yeah. Uh, Facebook ignored or was slow to act on evidence that fake accounts on its platform have been undermining elections and political affairs around the world, according to an explosive memo sent by a recently fired Facebook employee and obtained by BuzzFeed News. The 6,600-word memo, written by former Facebook data scientist Sophie Zhang, is filled with concrete examples of heads of government and political parties in Azerbaijan and Honduras using fake accounts or misrepresenting themselves to sway public opinion. In countries including India, Ukraine, Spain, Brazil, Bolivia, and Ecuador, she found evidence of coordinated campaigns of varying sizes to boost or hinder political candidates or outcomes, though she did not always conclude who was behind them. So she said in her memo, quote, There was so much violating behavior worldwide that it was left to my personal assessment of which cases to further investigate, to file tasks, and escalate for prioritization afterwards. With no oversight whatsoever, I was left in a situation where I was trusted with immense influence in my spare time. A manager on strategic response mused to myself that most of the world outside the West was effectively the Wild West with myself as the part-time dictator. He meant the statement as a compliment, but it illustrated the immense pressures upon me. Yeah, and this was, uh, you know, I'm sure able to go on because there is already too much going on here in America. Yeah. And with, like, the the UK with Brexit and literally everything else that is just like, well, we can, you know, no one's really going to notice if we accidentally do a light coup through Facebook. Facebook accounts for, like, so much of the internet at this point, and they've essentially got, like, a skeleton crew running it. Yes. (laughs) I'm in charge of an entire country. Could you believe it? Yeah. Uh, Now, some examples include Honduras, where she discovered tens of thousands of fake accounts created to boost President Juan Orlando Hernandez and mislead the public. Hernandez's marketing team even openly admitted to doing this on his behalf, but it still took almost a year for Facebook to take the operation down. And within two weeks of the takedown, the operation was back in full swing. And it remains so today. Yeah. uh, In Azerbaijan, Zhang discovered a similar operation to Russia's Internet Research Agency with actual dedicated employees whose full-time job is using fake accounts to leave millions of comments targeting opponents of Azerbaijan's president and ruling party. Uh, Basically, if you looked at any public post about Azerbaijan politics that was the slightest bit critical, it would be flooded with pro-regime comments from fake accounts. Again, Facebook took a year to start actually looking into it, and their investigation is ongoing. Well, yeah, it's definitely happening, but uh, we've got to get to the bottom of this, so we'll just uh, Hmm. keep it open. Azerbaijan, I mean, does anyone know where that is? Can you find it on a map? We'll put it on the back burner. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, according to Zhang's memo, she discovered a large-scale fake account network focused on amplifying misinformation about COVID-19, mainly by accounts engaging with content from Spain's health ministry page, but also some U.S. pages as well. Although, 
It could just be the fact that a lot of people in the U.S. are just stupid and actually... Well, that, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. But this <laughs> kind of like poisons a, the well. This was, like, actually, like, a network of okay, bots that yeah. she discovered. And in 2018, when both the U.S. and Brazil had elections, Zhang said Facebook removed 10.5 million fake reactions and fans from pages for politicians in the U.S. and Brazil. And it sounds like Sophie Zhang was investigating this kind of stuff pretty much alone. And that even when she found something, actual action from Facebook took a long time or it just never happened. From yeah. the article, as one of the few people looking for and identifying fake accounts impacting civic activity outside of priority regions, Zhang struggled with the power she had been handed. We focus upon harm in priority regions like the United States and Western Europe, Zhang wrote, adding that it became impossible to read the news and monitor world events without feeling the weight of my own responsibility. In Bolivia, Zhang said she found inauthentic activity supporting the opposition presidential candidate in 2019 and chose not to prioritize it. Months later, Bolivian politics fell into turmoil, leading to the resignation of President Evo Morales and mass protests leading to dozens of deaths. The same happened in Ecuador, according to Zhang, who found inauthentic activity supporting the ruling government and made the decision not to prioritize it. The former Facebook employee then wondered how her decision led to downstream effects on how Ecuador's government handled the COVID-19 pandemic, which has devastated the country, and if that would have been different if she'd acted. I have made countless decisions in this vein, from Iraq to Indonesia, from Italy to El Salvador. Individually, the impact was likely small in each case, but the world is a vast place. Although I made the best decision I could based on the knowledge available at the time, ultimately, I was the one who made the decision not to push more or prioritize further in each case, and I know that I have blood on my hands by now. Jesus Christ, it's like... Uh... The guilt that's going to come along with this is on the level of, like, uh, photojournalists who have to uh, photograph war and famine yeah. and have to live with that for the rest of their lives. Because it's like, it sounds like she's just like, all right, you, you're in charge of everything. Just, uh, you know, stop election interference, figure it out, find it, send it to us. We'll look at it when we get around to yeah. it. But it's all on you. It's all you. Yeah, that's like, a lot right, of what pressure. If, what if you hired more people and gave me more resources? Mm, no, it's... All your responsibility. Yeah, it's like the people that uh, sit in the satellite offices where they have to, like, go through all the gore and fucked up stuff to get oh it off God, Facebook. Yeah. Except those people are just, like, removing stuff from the site. Uh, she has to actually actively get involved in geopolitical issues that uh, yeah. could determine the outcome of the rest of history. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to it's have on your shoulders. pretty heavy, yeah. Uh, anyways, also from the article, but she also remarked on Facebook's habit of prioritizing public relations over real-world problems. Quote, it's an open secret within the civic integrity space that Facebook's short-term decisions are largely motivated by PR and the potential for negative attention, she wrote, noting that she was told directly at a 2020 summit that anything published in the New York Times or Washington Post would obtain elevated priority. It's why I've seen priorities of escalations shoot up when others start threatening to go to the press, and why I was informed by a leader in my organization that my civic work was not impactful under the rationale that if the problems were meaningful, they would have attracted attention, became a press fire, and convinced the company to devote more attention to the space. Zhang, yeah, that's uh, that's insane. Uh, Zhang mentioned one example in February 2019 when a NATO strategic communications researcher reached out to Facebook, alerting the company that he'd obtained Russian inauthentic activity, quote, on a high-profile U.S. political figure that we didn't catch. That researcher said they were planning on briefing Congress the next day. Quote, I quickly investigated the case, determined what was going on, and removed the activity, dousing the immediate fire, Zhang wrote. Perhaps motivated by the experience, the same researcher tried the same experiment within a month or two, waiting half a year afterwards before sending the report to the press and finally causing the PR fire. 
Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Basically, like if it's not if if it's not going to make us look bad in the news, it's not worth our time. We're it's we're not, not a priority. We're not prioritizing things based on actual importance. We're prioritizing them on how bad it's going to make us look in the press. Is Mark going to have to go down to Washington for this, or yeah. can you deal with it? Yeah. Uh, in addition to Facebook's priorities being almost solely driven by a potential PR blowback in the press, which is not at all surprising, uh, Sophie Zhang also says that the systems in place for actually dealing with this kind of stuff proactively were inadequate and broken. Quote, Zhang outlined the political processes within Facebook itself. She said the best way for her to gain attention for her work was not to go through the proper reporting channels, but to post about the issues on Facebook's internal employee message board to build pressure. Quote, in the office, I realized that my viewpoints weren't respected unless I acted like an arrogant asshole, Zhang said. Yeah, if you've ever worked at a large for-profit, uh, you know, profit-driven company, this probably sounds a little bit familiar. Yeah, you, it's not a problem until it is. Yeah, you, yeah, if you want something, you want them to care about something that doesn't really affect their bottom line, you kind of got to be a dick. But with Facebook, it's extra bad because for a huge portion of the global population, it's basically people's main source of internet. It's the internet. It's their main source of information and knowledge. Uh, it's how they interact with the world. And from the sound of it, Facebook isn't just bad at dealing with coordinated deception. They have employees who are actually apparently really good at detecting it. They just don't do much about it, which is actually worse yeah, in I, some ways. Yeah, I think like, ignorance they, might be bliss in this Yeah, scenario. like it's not even ignorance. Like they have employees at Facebook who give a shit about this and are like, seem to be working pretty hard at doing stuff about it. But like the company doesn't give them the resources to actually act upon it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's bad. It's very bad. It's <laughs> insane to think that like 15 years ago, uh, like three or four people at Harvard started the end of the world. Yeah. yeah. In just a dorm room. Mm-hmm. Those Dude, damn twins. Two of those people were twins. <laughs> those damn twins now and Mark Zuckerberg. Bitcoin guys. Yeah. Now, in addition to potentially affecting the outcomes of elections and therefore having a huge influence on democracy, the Facebook disinformation echo chamber also re- recently made it much harder for state and local authorities in the Pacific Northwest to deal with the ongoing massive wildfires that are happening there. The ongoing right-wing fixation on Antifa and the false, completely unfounded belief that it's some huge centralized criminal organization has resulted in false rumors over the past few months about stuff like busloads of Antifa rioters heading towards random small towns to riot and loot, uh, among many other things. Yeah, uh, It's always total bullshit, but the result of these rumors has mostly just been a bunch of armed locals staying up all night waiting for a bus that never comes. It doesn't even the actually bus exist. Doesn't exist. The bus is a lie. Yeah. But with these recent wildfires, the rumor going around Facebook is that they're, of course, they're the result of Antifa arsonists, and that has led to emergency services being flooded with misinformation during a time when they've really got more important shit to deal with, like the fires. And uh, the authorities would like you to please cut that shit out. Yes. They are <laughs> they're putting their foot down on this. Uh, but that's what the authorities want you to think, that they don't want you to call because we're finally uncovering what's really going goes on. goes deep. Antifa actually runs the police departments. They're fighting themselves. And the fire departments. Fi- yeah. Yeah. How deep does this go? You know they're getting upset because we're close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the sheriff's office of Jackson County, Oregon, posted this to Facebook. 
One increasingly problematic issue related to the disastrous fires in Jackson County is the spreading of false information. There are numerous false reports of arrests and other situations over the past days that are the content of postings, fake stories, and gossip. When you see or hear a story, please check official sources only to verify the information. Please don't repost and spread misinformation based on some unverified random post or meme. Rumors make the job of protecting the community more difficult. We are inundated with questions about things that are fake stories. One example is a story circulating that varies about what group is involved as to setting fires and arrests being made. This is not true. When official information about the investigation is available, it will be on reputable government, fire and law enforcement internet sites and social media pages. Do your part, verify information you hear through official sources, and don't spread rumors. Well, that's it. That settles it. Now the cops are Antifa too. Yeah. It was right there in front of us all the time. Uh, it was a false flag, a psyop, if you will, that they were fighting each Antifa other. Antifa has even infiltrated backcountry uh, sheriff's departments. Yeah. Goes deep, guys. Well, here's the Douglas County Sheriff's Office with a similar post. Remember when we said to follow official sources only? Remember when we said rumors make this already difficult incident even harder? Rumors spread just like wildfire, and now our 911 dispatchers and professional staff are being overrun with requests for information and inquiries on an untrue rumor that six Antifa members have been arrested for setting fires in Douglas County, Oregon. This is not true. Unfortunately, people are spreading this rumor, and it is causing problems. Do your part. Stop spreading rumors. Follow official sources of information such as local emergency response websites and pages, government websites and pages, and local reputable news outlets. Please share far and wide. That post also has a nice stop spreading rumors graphic attached, which you're seeing right here. It's lovely. Stop. Yeah. And here's the FBI's Portland office who tweeted... FBI Portland and local law enforcement agencies have been receiving reports that extremists are responsible for setting fires in Oregon. With our state and local partners, the FBI has investigated several such reports and found them to be untrue. Conspiracy theories and misinformation take valuable resources away from local fire and police agencies working around the clock to bring these fires under control. Please help our entire community by only sharing validated information from official sources. For fuck's sake, people. Well, the problem with that is that, like, on a bunch of conservative sites, it'll just have the first paragraph. It'll be like, the FBI is receiving reports Mm -hmm. that extremists are setting fires in Oregon. It's like... There you go. You see, there's the FBI is aware that, you know, these things are happening. And then yeah. below, uh, you know, a media source that's unrelated and then an ad break and then two more paragraphs that will have the rest of that yeah. statement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's how uh, that's how it works nowadays. And the headline, FBI investigating extremists setting fires in Oregon. And the thing is, they investigated it because people were saying that and then yeah. they found it to be untrue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, Facebook has, of course, been... <laughs> the primary means through which these rumors have been able to spread so far and so wide. And ironically, despite these various law enforcement agencies asking the public to stop spreading rumors, the main source appears to have been a heavily shared article from the website Law Enforcement Today, a website that builds itself as being owned and operated by law enforcement. Oh, Law Enforcement Today? Our sister network? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, cool. Uh, so Shibby reviews guns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and in addition to all the false tips to law enforcement about this, the rumors have also resulted in uh, multiple members of the press who were going up there and covering the wildfires, being accused by locals of being Antifa arsonists, even having guns pulled out on them in a few cases. It's pretty scary. These rumors could literally get someone fucking killed. Because, like, with the journalist ones, it's like, oh, I saw these guys in press badges pretty near the fires. Probably Antifa. And then, like, you look at the comments, it's like, shoot him. Shoot him on sight. Someone's going to get fucking killed over this. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, and as with everything else, Facebook, they took several days before actually dealing with the problem and, like, actively removing posts that were, like, promoting this. Shut the fucking website down permanently. Get rid of it. Yeah, it is not a force for good. It, I, too little, too late, just like with everything that happens on there. It's already out there now. Like, I mean, they waited, like, a fucking week to take that shit down, and now huge chunks of the internet fully believe that Antifa is out there setting these fires. It's too late. It is your duty as the youth of America mm-hmm. to deactivate your parents' Facebook account. Change their passwords so they can't log in and reactivate it. Mm-hmm. Change your parents' Facebook account passwords and just rip it up and throw it away. Yeah. Make it something you can't even remember. Just a bunch of gibberish. Turn on like two-factor authentication, but for your phone. No, so just, you know when they're trying. Just change the password and then delete it. Mm. Done. Simple. Yeah. Go do it to your parents right now. Yeah. Don't listen to me. I'm not giving you actual advice. If, if there is some law, this is legal advice. It was an idea that you know someone had that you should do this. Mm-hmm. Fucking do, don't do it. Meanwhile, over on Twitter, though, they seem to be taking a much more proactive approach to a tornado of misinformation that's just over the horizon: the 2020 U.S. presidential election. Because this election will rely much more heavily on mail-in voting than any previous election, there's already a lot more distrust in the process and disinformation about voter fraud floating around, with a lot of it coming directly from the president himself. Thanks. And there hasn't been much talk about this, but the increased amount of mail-in voting will likely mean that, unlike typical elections, the final vote counts won't be available on election night. So Twitter, realizing this will all definitely lead to a ton of disinformation, updated some of their policies from their blog entry about it. Starting next week, we will label or remove false or misleading information intended to undermine public confidence in an election or other civic process. This includes, but is not limited to, one, false or misleading information that causes confusion about the laws and regulations of a civic process or officials and institutions executing those civic processes. Two, disputed claims that could undermine faith in the process itself, e.g. unverified information about election rigging, ballot tampering, vote tallying, or certification of election results. And three, misleading claims about the results or outcome of a civic process which calls for or could lead to interference with the implementation of the results in the process, e.g. claiming victory before election results have been certified, inciting unlawful conduct to prevent a peaceful transfer of power or orderly succession. The the president is on notice. (laughs) That seems pretty specific. It is, and it's uh, like the fact that they have to like specify that yeah chilling the part at the end about peaceful transfer of power or orderly succession Mm. is it's pretty terrifying to think about but it's definitely something to worry about so it's good that they're getting out ahead yeah a decent chunk of trump's base are going to simply refuse to believe that he can lose and if joe biden does win those people are not going to accept that and the same is true for the opposite scenario, though probably less so thanks to the fact that Joe Biden doesn't really have diehard supporters. <laughs> yeah. uh, if the sentiment that the election results are false gets amplified enough, we are in big fucking trouble. So it's somewhat re- reassuring to see that Twitter appears to be taking this seriously and actively preparing for a terrible couple of weeks during and after the election. But, oh boy, I, it, it's just a reminder every couple of days that we are careening towards destruction. Yeah. Potential absolute destruction. It is a just miserable time to be paying attention to anything in the world right now. Yeah. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we got a lot more news for you today. But uh, right now, it is time to talk about this week's sponsors, starting with Stitch Fix. 
At least you're going to look good. Yeah, look good <laughs> while the world burns. Yeah. Don't you wish every clothing store you shopped at had only your size, what styles you like, and at the price you want? Well, Stitch Fix is a company focused on making that happen. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling company that makes getting the clothes you love effortless. It's a completely different way to shop that's all about you every time. To get started, go to stitchfix.com newsday to set up your profile, and they'll deliver great looks personalized just for you in your colors, styles, and budget. You pay a $20 styling fee for each fix, which is credited towards anything that you keep. Schedule at any time. There's no subscription required. Plus, shipping, returns, and exchanges, they are easy and free. Stitch Fix does the hard work for you, making great style effortless for everybody, including men, women, and kids. Get started today at stitchfix.com newsday, and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That is stitchfix.com slash newsday for 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Stitchfix.com slash newsday. And this episode is sponsored by ExpressVPN. When you use the bathroom, you always close the door behind you, right? Close that door, you're letting the stank out. You don't want some random passerby looking in on you. I don't know, maybe you do, but you're probably not. So why would you let people look in on you when you go online? Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like taking a big old deuce and not shutting the door. Mm -hmm. Did you know that your internet service provider knows every single website you visit? And what's worse is they can sell that information to ad companies and tech giants who want to use your data to target you. ExpressVPN puts a stop to this. It creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. When we use ExpressVPN on all of our devices, I watched a lot of games this weekend. Mm. Uh, it, it works on everything as well. Uh, phones, laptops, even routers. So everyone can, uh, who, or who does share your Wi-Fi can be protected even if they don't have ExpressVPN. Yeah, it's just there. And the best part is using ExpressVPN is as easy as shutting that bathroom door. You just fire up the app, click one button, and you're protected. ExpressVPN is the number one rated VPN by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and countless others. So if you're like us and believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com newsday today. That's our exclusive link, expressvpn.com newsday. You'll get an extra three months free. That's expressvpn.com newsday. Back to the news now, though, specifically the ways that technology is actively making the world worse. Oh, you thought this episode was going to get better? It's all bad news. Too bad. The Tampa Bay Times recently published a very long and well-researched article about the predictive policing program that's used in Pasco County, Florida. And look, the whole thing is really worth a full read if you really want to get mad. (laughs) But uh, let's just skim through the main points. Uh, Predictive policing is, as the name implies, a way for police departments to use data analysis to predict crimes before they happen. It sounds a little bit like Minority Report, and uh, Pasco County Sheriff Chris Noko even publicly pitched the program as a cross between Moneyball and Minority Report. Uh, The basic idea was to figure out, based on previous interactions with law enforcement, which Pasco County residents were most likely to re-offend and put them on the list of prolific offenders, unlikely to reform. Uh, But the result was essentially just a ton of people who have already faced punishment for their crimes getting constantly harassed by the cops despite not doing anything that would warrant their attention. So the way Pasco's system sees it, a person's supposed likelihood of committing a crime, it's not just based on previous convictions. I mean, if a person's ever been a suspect, that bumps them up on the list. If they've ever been arrested but the charges were dropped, still bumps them up on the list. If they're a relative or known associate of someone else on the list, that bumps them up on the list. Even repeated visits to psychiatric hospitals or being a witness to or even a victim of a crime bumps you up on the list. Watch this guy. He's a mark. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, being on the list means that the cops are going to regularly show up at your home or your job at all hours of the day or night without a warrant or even any evidence of a crime and often issue citations 
for stuff like your grass being too long or your mailbox numbers being faded. Just arbitrary shit. Yeah, just uh, literally ruining your life and making yeah. it impossible to do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, and even if you were reformed, yeah. uh, you can't get a leg up because you keep getting the shit kicked out. Oh, you think you, you uh, paid your debt to society? Nope. Think again. I mean, and, and yeah, when they show up and they cite you for just like bullshit, you guessed it. Those citations bump you up on the list. It's, uh, you know, cyclical. Yeah. And we should mention there's already been a system in place forever to help ensure that prior offenders don't reoffend. It's called probation officers. This is a thing that exists, except unlike probation officers who actually want to prevent crime, POSCO's sheriffs, as one former deputy said, just want to make their targets' lives miserable until they move or sue. Horrific. Uh, the explicit goal of the program is to reduce property crime, and it has, technically, though the drop has been similar to the drop in the seven largest nearby police jurisdictions that don't use this program. And meanwhile, violent crime in Pasco has al- actually increased. Mm. Uh, the program disproportionately targets juvenile offenders as well. Of the 20 addresses most visited by its dedicated enforcement teams, yeah. more than half were home to middle or high schoolers who were identified as targets. Uh, here's a few examples from the article. Rio Wojtecki, 15, became a target in September 2019, almost a year after he was arrested for sneaking into carports with a friend and stealing motorized bicycles. Those were the only charges against Rio, and he already had a state-issued juvenile probation officer checking in on him. Yet from September 2019 to January 2020, Pasco Sheriff's deputies went to his home at least 21 times, dispatch logs show. They showed up at the car dealership where his mom worked, looked for him at a friend's house, and checked his gym to see if he had signed in. More than once, the deputies ignored knowledge that Rio wasn't getting into trouble. They mostly grilled him about his friends, according to body camera video of the interactions. But he had been identified as a target, they said, so they had to keep checking on him. Yeah, and anytime a cop talks to you, too, it's like, we know what you did, your friends told on you. What are you going to tell us about your friends? Yeah. 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 Uh, here's the experience of a woman named Sheila Smith, whose son was targeted. Deputies showed up at her home in Land Lakes uh, over and over in 2017 and 2018 looking for her teenage son even though he was under court-ordered house arrest at his grandmother's home in Hillsborough County, she said. Their fifth visit was on January 11, 2018, at 10.32 p.m. Smith stepped outside in a bathrobe and explained the situation. He's already under supervision, she told the deputies politely, according to body camera video of the encounter. It's not necessary for y'all to come here anymore. Deputies came by looking for her son at least three more times after that, the dispatch log shows. Another time, they put her husband, Vaughn Sr., in handcuffs and loaded him into the back of a cruiser, she said. They later said they had mistaken him for his brother and let him go. They're just terrorizing these fucking people. Yeah. He's not here. <laughs> he's not even allowed to be here. He's, at, he's under house arrest in another fucking county. He's following the rules. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, another, here's another example from the article. Delaney Taylor was arrested 14 times before turning 17, mostly for burglaries and stealing cars. She went to prison, was released, and stopped breaking the law, she said. But deputies kept showing up at her home. They'd ask who she was hanging out with, what she knew about certain people, if she was in a relationship. Taylor, now 20, wouldn't answer, she said. It felt inappropriate. Once, after Taylor posted a photo with a male friend on Facebook, deputies asked about the friend. Later, she said, a deputy followed her in a patrol car as she walked down the street. When deputies knocked on her door at 7.32 a.m. on New Year's Day 2018, (laughs) a family friend implored them to ease up. By then, Taylor had been out of prison for nine months and had not been rearrested. The deputies said they would not stop monitoring her for a couple of years, according to their notes on the conversation. She advised she's staying out of trouble, they wrote. She is pregnant and is expecting in June. But, you know, we're just going to probably just keep harassing this woman. Yeah. 
Multiple former former deputies are currently involved in lawsuits alleging that deputies who questioned or criticized the program were threatened or retaliated against, which is a fucking huge pattern in the whole reason. Yeah, the why aren't there any thing, good cops? Well, because yeah. good cops get iced out yes. the minute they start questioning. One told the Times that deputies were explicitly told to be so aggressive in their contacts with prolific offenders that they would want to move away, and that the goal of visits was often solely to make targets uncomfortable. They sometimes park a bunch of cop cars outside someone's house for several hours, or visit as many as six times in a single day. And they do the same thing to targets friends, relatives, and associates. Unsurprisingly, when the Tampa Bay Times asked a bunch of cr- uh, criminology experts about the PASCO program, they all agreed it's bullshit. One even called it one of the worst manifestations of the intersection of junk science and bad policing, and an absolute absence of common sense and humanity that I have seen in my career. Not mincing words. Yeah. Uh, from the article, they noted that PASCO's scoring system awards points based on arrests, which can reflect racially biased policing practices and doesn't take into account whether charges were dropped or the person was acquitted. Some experts were concerned that people can get points for having been suspected of a crime. There are no rules for what makes someone a suspect. It can boil down to who they know or how an individual detective investigates, said Sarah Brain, a sociology professor at the University of Texas at Austin and author of a new book on big data policing. Ana Muniz, a University of California Irvine criminologist who studies gang databases, noted that the manuals don't include a way for residents to check if they've been targeted or to file an appeal. The system also lets the sheriff's office collect an extraordinary amount of information on people who may not have committed a crime, said Andrew Guthrie Ferguson, a law professor at American University and national expert in predictive policing. After reviewing the most recent manual, Ferguson said, it feels like everything that's wrong about policing in one document. Other experts said the agency's tactics were unlikely to deter people from breaking the law and added that the program provides little extra help or social services to the people that it targets. It's fucked up, too, because, like, if you get arrested, you immediately get targeted. It's the same thing in Florida, where it's like, if you get arrested, even if you did nothing wrong... Yeah, no, you're in the news. You're in the news, you're in Gotcha Magazine. Every mugshot is public uh, knowledge before you're even, like, found to be guilty. Yeah, no, like, and and the common... American common sense says that, like, well... if you've been arrested, you've obviously done something wrong. But, like, the truth of the matter is, like, way more people get arrested or suspected of crimes than actually even convicted. And, yes. and even, like, the people that But their lives are then ruined. Yeah, even even a lot of the people that convicted uh, get convicted, especially poor people who can't afford, like, good lawyers. Yeah. They just take the plea deal because it's like... There's nothing else they can do. You can go do. to prison for 20 years for something you didn't do or take the, take the plea deal, admit that you did it, and go to prison for, like, one and a half years. Yeah. Um, but, like, it, it, yeah, it... Even if you aren't convicted of a crime, you're just, you get the fucking scarlet letter in this country. It's like, oh, well, I don't know about this person. Yeah, and then you can't do normal people things. Like rent an apartment or... which is all the stuff... Like a big reason a lot of people commit crimes is because they don't have opportunities to earn an honest living. And... uh, It's a system that perpetuates itself. Yeah, the way we treat like convicted people who've already served their time is fucking terrible. And it's like... It, it, the system feeds itself, basically. Mm-hmm. And you add this shit on top of it. It's, it's fucking horrible. And, the, and the, end, the end goal is just make them move away. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, if every fucking police department in the country had that as their goal. like It's the same way we treat fucking homeless people. It's like, well, we just don't want them here. You send them somewhere else, they send them somewhere else, they send them somewhere else. see that fucking else. screenwriter who wrote... Uh, uh, oh, my God. He wrote uh, Varsity Blues and, uh, and Point... 
Point Break. Yeah, and he put all those rocks under the... In, like, Culver City in, in 115 yeah, degree weather so that the homeless people had to move outside of the shade of an yeah, overpass. like, even if you're the most, like, even if you don't give a fuck about homeless people, like, it was literally, like, hot enough last weekend that if you were not in the shade, you would literally die. Yes. And that they chose that as the time The specific just, weekend. Like, throw a bunch of homeless people's shit in the trash and drop these... Giant boulders on the sidewalk under overpasses, so there was like less room for people yeah. to post up. Evil, crazy shit. Anyways, yeah. uh, that whole article about the uh, predictive policing—it's it's definitely worth a read if you want to get more annoyed than you already are. But mm-hmm. the bottom line is that high tech, high tech predictive policing—it only serves to make the problems with law enforcement in this country even worse. Multiple other police jurisdictions that have tried it over the years, including the LAPD have since abandoned it because in addition to it basically just encouraging police harassment and attracting lots of attention from civil rights attorneys, it also just doesn't reduce crime in any meaningful way. Yeah. And it's expensive. This Pasco County was like $2.5 million annual budget for the program. This... It's because it goes so far above and beyond the normal policing work. And I guarantee you have deputies who are abusing this so that they can get overtime pay. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, no, I was just sitting in front of a house for six hours. I, I gotta go for a time and a half. <laughs> yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Also, like, how the hell can you watch Minority Report and walk away thinking, hey, wow, what a great idea. Let's do that for law <laughs> it's enforcement. Like the whole fucking point of the movie is that predictive policing is, like, a terrible idea. Like, they, they literally shut the, the Minority pre- Report program down at the end of the movie because it's bad. You can go and some cop goes and see that. Hey, that's a great idea. Wow. Hmm. Brilliant. Hmm. I'm going to leave halfway through the movie, <laughs> and I'm going to go take this down to the boys downtown. Yeah. Uh, Minority Report? Never finished it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in some actual good police news, though, uh, the city of Portland, Oregon, just passed the nation's strictest ban on facial recognition technology, completely banning its use by law enforcement and restricting its use by private businesses. And we, we've talked a lot in the past about how facial recognition databases used by police departments are, at best, shitty and flawed and a violation of privacy, and at worst, a way for cops to harass or potentially kill totally innocent people who just happen to slightly resemble who they're looking for. We've covered this a lot, but you get it. And when I say people, I'm specifically saying non-white people, because most facial recognition programs, weirdly, this this thing they all have in common is that they're fucking terrible at telling non-white people apart. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, good fucking riddance. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Moving on to TikTok news. It looks like the saga of Donald Trump versus TikTok may be over. Mm. (laughs) And just in time. Uh, The deadline for TikTok to either find a buyer or get the fuck out was September 15th. And with several potential buyers lined up, including Microsoft, Twitter, Walmart, and Oracle, it looks like the winner is Oracle. You hired a company most known for its databases and business solutions. Uh, this comes after Microsoft officially backed out of talks when TikTok owner ByteDance reportedly rejected their bid hmm. on, like, Sunday, like, last yeah. minute. So, Oracle it is then. Oh, uh, cool. Okay. Which is obviously convenient, given the fact that Oracle co-founder and executive chairman Larry Ellison is one of the few big Trump supporters in Silicon Valley who even hosted a Trump fundraiser at one of his homes, I think in like February of this year. But surely this is all just a coincidence and very on the level. Yeah. As for how the Oracle TikTok deal will even work, that's not entirely clear. We just wanted the money. What, there's Uh, an an actual app that people use? Yeah, it does not sound even like the deal is being framed as a sale, like at all. It's rather being framed as a trusted tech partnership, which is not a thing. Um, So exactly what the hell that means, 
has not been revealed yet. Uh, but it sure as hell sounds like not what the Trump administration demanded in last month's executive order, which was a sale. And a little taste for the government, too. Yeah. Uh, this sounds like it might just be like Oracle hosting and managing TikTok servers in the U.S. where their servers already are. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. The whole thing is confusing. They were probably hosted on Amazon Web Services and Trump's like, get, get the fuck out of there. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's it's confusing. It's very different than what Trump demanded. And uh, it's, it's so strange that even members of Trump's own party are calling bullshit. Uh, Republican Senator Josh Hawley publicly called on the Treasury Department to reject this deal. Because he's just like, hold on. Wait, <laughs> like, this doesn't make any sense. This is actually a great deal for ByteDance. Yeah. Uh, or it could be. Well, wh- so, what are we doing here? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I guess the TikTok saga is not necessarily over. Um, can probably expect this one to keep on going for quite a while now. It'll be the defining news uh, thing of the entire election. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, th- I don't think TikTok has even dropped their lawsuit against the U.S. So there's, like, this potential deal in place that, of course, has to get approval from nah, the government. No, it's done. No, no, no. We fixed uh, it. Oracle's got it now. Yeah. Let's move on to the next news cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah, let's literally move on because uh, it's time to check in with Apple versus Epic. Mm. The only real update there is, is that Apple isn't going to let Epic Games even reapply for membership in Apple's developer program for an entire year. Bye-bye. Time out. <laughs> But meanwhile, some of the larger issues at play in the Apple versus Epic standoff are actually resolving in a productive way. For example, one of the big reasons Apple has been butting heads with the games industry lately is their rejection of game streaming services like Google Stadia and Microsoft xCloud, because they'd essentially be their own app stores. Well, Apple's latest revisions to their app store rules open the door for Stadia and xCloud on iOS under some dumb conditions, but the conditions are that each game that those services offer must be submitted individually for review by Apple and also have its own listing on the App Store. So basically, there'd be like a Stadia or xCloud app that would kind of just act as a directory of titles, hmm. but the games themselves would appear as like separate apps with their own icons and whatnot. But if you have like a Game Pass for xCloud, you're not paying any additional... You're not, but it's like... The App Store still treats every game on those services, or or will theoretically treat each of those games as its own app that requires another app in order to be able to open. It's fucking weird, yeah. but and and seems very unnecessary. But mm-hmm. if you've got an iPhone and you were looking forward to maybe using one of those services, uh, you might actually get your chance in the next few months if Google and Microsoft are down to play by Apple's yeah. weird rules. Now, speaking of Apple, U.S. Customs and Border Patrol recently intercepted a huge shipment of knockoff, knockoff Apple AirPods. Uh, thank you for your service. Crack police work. Yeah, over at New York's JFK International Airport, they they were like, boy, how did we just save the country from a lot of they, counterfeit AirPods. They cut, they cut it open, and for some reason, they used a big knife to pick yeah. up a single AirPod and smell it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That's the stuff. They were very proud of themselves, too. (laughs) Even tweeting out photos of the knockoff goods, which they should not have done because they would have gotten away with it. Yeah. Uh, Because, wait, hold on. You know, uh, those are just OnePlus buds. You guys remember OnePlus? They still exist. Uh, uh, They're they're a a nice Android. Legitimate phone manufacturer. Yeah, uh, on the cheaper level of a high-quality Android phone. Yeah. Uh, They make Bluetooth earbuds that... I mean, they look like pretty much every other phone company does. Yeah. They, everyone's kind of got the same style. They, they have like a, those skull candy ones look exactly the same. Yeah. Pretty much everything is trying to copy that Apple uh, look. So, yeah, I mean, they thought they were AirPods, but it says right there on the box. <laughs> it's an actual box with the OnePlus logo on it. They just didn't yeah. even care to look it up. They're just like, nope, 
Counterfeit. Yeah. These so, are Soldier Boy earpods. <laughs> yeah, and like even when confronted about these obviously not being fake earbuds, uh, Customs and Border Patrol, they have not backed down. They are doubling down. They insist that even without fake Apple branding or even looking like earbuds being like beyond just like the first glance, um, these are still in fact counterfeit goods. CBP said in a statement, Upon examining the shipment in question, a CBP import specialist determined that the subject earbuds appeared to violate Apple's configuration trademark. Apple has configuration trademarks on their brand of earbuds and has recorded those trademarks with CBP. Based on that determination, CBP officers at JFK Airport have seized the shipment under Section 19 U.S.C. 1526E. CBP's seizure of these earbuds in question is unrelated to the images or language on the box. A company does not have to put an Apple wordmark or design on their products to violate these trademarks. The importer will have many opportunities through the adjudication process to provide evidence that their product does not violate the relevant recorded trademarks. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah. But, like, they're not... They're, they're not AirPods. Nah, it's fine. We're gonna we're gonna take them anyway, and Apple's gonna thank us for it. Yeah, Tim Cook is gonna send us a nice letter. Anyways, before we go, I think we uh, mentioned the Scorpion gaming rig, rig uh, briefly last week, but uh, let's take a closer look at this bad boy. I love this. Meet the Cluven IWSK Zero Gravity Esports Gaming Chair and Workstation. Now, if you thought the Acer Predator Thronos was just a bit too subtle, yeah. uh, this is exactly what you need. This beast mechanically opens and closes and transforms to accommodate your gaming posture, whether that's sitting upright or leaning all the way back. Yeah. You can have it fitted with one ultra-wide 49-inch monitor or three curved 27-inch monitors. Now, of course, this level of badassery does not come cheap. Kluven sells it for $3,300, but... Apparently, it's also available on Alibaba for nineteen hundred bucks, and that's at that price, bad. it's a steal. That's it's like less than I paid. Well, no, that's about no. It's more than I paid for my standing desk, but like my standing desk only goes up and down. Yeah, doesn't do any of this shit. You get me a drip feed of uh, some soylent and a catheter. Yeah, and I am never getting out of this thing. Yeah, put a toilet in there, and we're good. Yeah, I mean this thing, barring any technical malfunctions, that. St- Close you inside of it. Yeah. Looks pretty sweet. Yeah. And like $1,900 for like, like this is really a conversation starter. Oh, and, and, and a conversation your... ender if you need it to be. <laughs> what the fuck is that? The date's going bad. I should show her my cool gamer I'm chair. not sleeping here. <laughs> but uh, oh. yeah, I mean. Looks great. Looks great. Cool. And final bit of news. A lot of you are young. Maybe for you, digital music has consisted mainly of like Spotify or Apple Music for your whole life. Mm-hmm. You might remember the iPod. But way, way back in the early days of MP3 files, in the late 90s, the app of choice was Winamp. Winamp, Winamp, Winamp. Winamp. It really kicks the llama's ass. Yeah. It not only offered a lot of uh, useful tools for listening to music, had a great EQ and whatnot, but it also featured fully customizable skins that you could download off the internet. There were tens of thousands of Winamp skins out there, and they were all fucking hideous, every single one of them. Looking back at technology, like software technology from this time, I'm amazed we all turned out okay. But now, if you go to skins.webamp.org, you can scroll scroll through just about every Winamp skin that's ever existed. You can even open them up and use them right there on the website. It's even searchable. Just just about any pop culture term you can think of has a ton of skins available, and they all look like shit. (laughs) You can even load your own MP3 files into the skins on the website for that full experience. Although... Using any music from after circa 2003, strongly discouraged. Yeah. You want full immersion here. I mean, I wish that, like, 
I don't know if it still exists anymore, but like, do, does anyone develop visualizers? Because that I, was the cool shit. I every couple months I try to like Google whether like. Uh, let us know in the comments if there's a good visualization website. Okay, no, actually, there there was uh, in the past there was like uh, a sort premium of, version. There was like plugins for Spotify mm. that activated a visualizer in like visualizer in a web tab, but I think they deactivated like support mm. for it. Because I when I used to do like music streams like way back in the day, I would just find some visualizer plugin. Yeah, but I, I haven't been able to do it more recently. Yeah, let us know about the uh, what's up on the what. What are the kids into for visualizations these days? Yeah, like you would think at this point, like with like AI and shit, they'd be able to do some like crazy shit with visualizers. But like, yeah. no one's done it. Come on, get on it, people, or let us know if one exists that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's it for Tech News Day this week. Uh, the, literally, uh, I don't know. Take a breather. Go outside. That was a pretty dark episode. Yeah. Um, we'll be back uh, for more news coming up soon this week. In the meantime, check out our most recent video over here and our brand new episode of Weekly Weird News. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.